What's good, everybody? Welcome to another Niners Nation podcast. This is the Gold Standard Podcast. I am Rob Stats Guerrero. Had a little bit of a scheduling conflict, so Levin Black is not here today. But don't worry, got somebody else for you. Mark DeLuke from Niners Nation. Happy, uh, willing to jump in here with us. What's up, Mark? Not much, not much. Obviously, things in Ireland could be going a lot better, but you know, you, this is kind of where the season could have gone, right? Like this is. I think what's so frustrating about where we're at is so many of these problems were things you wrote about, I wrote about, a lot of people wrote about. We're like, if this season goes wrong, what are the reasons it's going to go wrong? Jimmy Garoppolo, injuries to the secondary, and that's kind of where we're at. The There's always 50-50 questions with every team going into any season, and it just seems like they have come up tails on every single one for the 49ers, and it's just it is spiraling right now. It is swirling the drain. Uh, before we get started, I want to remind everybody, please rate, review, and follow the Niners Nation Podcast Network. I always promise you, if you leave a review, we will read it on the show, which brings me to this from Dark Knight 628 who says, no wonder our fan base gets the 40 whiner tag from everyone. Rob, I provide no stats, Guerrera, and Levin Black are the two biggest whiners on earth. I just can't listen to them. No actual analysis. They try to push hot takes to keep up with the Grant Cones of the world to get streams, listens, views, but they aren't as genuine and don't provide other points of view. We as fans are all frustrated where the Niners are at, but these two dudes are Charmin soft and our FN squares. LOL. Niner fans don't waste your time. Well, Dark Knight 628, I'm sorry that you don't like what we have to say. I'm sorry that you think we whine. I just want to know. For everyone that says I'm too negative and we're too negative here at Niners Nation, the team is two and four. Okay. I think it's 14 of the last 18 seasons have been losing seasons. Four of Kyle Shanahan's five years have been 10 loss seasons. So this, this season looks like it's headed that way. Please tell me, Mark, what I have to be positive about. Where are the champagne and strawberries that people keep wanting to see? Like, I'm sorry. I can't make stuff up. This is what's happening with this team. Yeah, and I think the thing that a lot of people are frustrated with, and I think where some of that comes from, obviously some of it comes from just the internet, but nonetheless, like, there's a difference between there being a path for the 49ers to be good, a path for the 49ers to be contender, a, a talented roster, and the reality of how it's playing out in the field, right? Like. The fact is the Niners are where they are at in the standings. There is a sliver of hope for this season in terms of potentially correcting itself. But I think anyone who's watched these games, anyone who's seen this team, and frankly, anyone, even when you, when you look at the history of Shanahan with this team, you know, it's not the one winning season was not one that got off to a slow start. Their one winning season, they get off to that hot start. The season they went six and zero right before their first. Well, further than that, but nonetheless, right? They got off to the hot start and they ride that into the playoffs and all the way to the Super Bowl. Like there is not a lot that we have in the past and even what's most recent here in the present to sit here and say this is a even playoff contender right now. Is there a path for that to happen? We can talk about that. Yeah. Is there talent on this roster? Yes. Has Kyle Shanahan had great moments as a head coach? Yes. But our job is not only to tell you the best case scenario. Our job is to tell you what is happening. And then our job is to say, what are the possibilities from here? And the fact is, at this point, most of the possibilities for this season are negative. <laughs> we are going to get into all of that. We are recording this on Wednesday night. So Kyle Shanahan spoke earlier today. Jimmy Garoppolo spoke too, but as usual, he didn't say a damn thing worth talking about. 
Kyle Shanahan said a bunch of stuff that I want to get into. We're going to talk about some of his quarterback comments, the news about Javon Kinlaw and Debo Samuel, neither of which of those stories is very encouraging. Um, Kyle said something about the secondary, which is both encouraging and incredibly depressing as well. We're going to get to that since obviously that was a big topic of conversation. And also, Mark, you wrote something that I loved on NinersNation.com yesterday. Five trades that the 49ers could make at the deadline, especially uh, if they end up being sellers, which it looks a hell of a lot closer to that right now than anything else. So I want to get into some of those because I thought there was one particularly that makes the most sense. But I also think it's going to make the 49er fans most upset if it actually comes to pass. Let's start with Kyle Shanahan. Let's start with some of his quarterback comments because he said two things back to back. And after the first comment, like I thought my blood pressure was just going to go through the roof. Like I was literally about to rip out my hair. I was so frustrated. And I'll start with that. Obviously, the calls for Trey Lance are growing louder and louder by the week. Kyle was asked about that. And here's what he said. We didn't draft Trey to just fix this year. You know, we drafted him so he could be the quarterback here of the future. And I get that's a matter of time, but we're not playing him just because of what our record is or just because of that. So that's why our first thing in our discussions is how healthy is, is he and how's he going to look today? But just because of how our last four games have gone, that doesn't really affect on whether we're playing Trey or not right now. Okay, Kyle, first of all, Mark, why does he continue to see the idea of starting Trey Lance as giving up on the season? I feel like he equates those two things, which drives me nuts because Jimmy Garoppolo has not even been close to an average starting quarterback. Right. This is the thing, you know, I think I've been on this train, frankly, back to the offseason at various points. I think each segment of 49ers fans, if not all of them, have gotten to this point now. No one would be complaining if Jimmy Garoppolo was playing very good. No one would be complaining if Jimmy Garoppolo was a Pro Bowl caliber quarterback. No one would be probably even be complaining that much if he was playing like Kirk Cousins. But the fact is, Jimmy Garoppolo hasn't not been good. He's been terrible. He's been bad. He's cost them games this season. And he hasn't been able to make this offense as good as it needs to be. I was talking to my dad, who's a big 49ers fan, and he was saying, look, the defense hasn't been great this year either both of them have been middling that's absolutely the case but i turn it around and say each year a team to be competitive needs to have at least one side of the ball that is very good right you need to have a top 10 unit if you know maybe a great team you need both but you just need one and look at the talent of this roster coming into the season and ask yourself which one was supposed to carry this team was it the offense or the defense and you can say well the defense you have nick bosa and fred warner but you had a thin secondary you had solid safeties and jimmy ward and uh, Jaquaski Tart, but you're not looking at that as stars. You know, we have an interior D line. You obviously have Eric Armstead, but you know, question about Javon Kinlaw. Then you look at the offense. You have Trent Williams, arguably the best left tackle in football. You got Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk, who they've invested heavily in the draft and who've had good rookie se- had good rookie seasons. Samuel obviously was down last year. Ayuk looked like this was going to be the breakout. Whoops. And then they and then they obviously they sign Alex Mack, right? They draft Aaron Banks, they draft Trey Sermon, and they already have Raheem Mostert in. So which side was supposed to be carrying this team? Well, it was supposed to be the offense. And so whether you want to, even if you look at the season and say, what has held them back? You can say the defense has had their mistakes. Sure. But the offense was the one supposed to be carrying the load and they've been bad. And that squarely falls on Garoppolo this far this year. 
Yeah, I mean, I can't look at the defense and say they've been bad when they're the only team in the entire league this season to hold the Arizona Cardinals under 30 points. When they force Russell Wilson to go three and out on five straight possessions, I'm not going to put it on the defense and say they're not pulling their weight. There were multiple times this year where the 49ers would be in big trouble. I can think of two goal line stands that this defense had where the other team got no points, including a field goal. Yes. So, like, I'm not putting this on the defense. The, the quarterback is so clearly the problem here. And it is amazing to me how one average season from Jimmy Garoppolo has, has just earned him this undying love from the fan base. It's crazy. But I think that love, Mark, is not necessarily felt finally. I feel like it has been chipped away at this season because Kyle Shanahan talked about Trey Lance later in the press conference. And I thought he had a very revealing quote. He said, he was asked how Lance developed since the start of the season. And he said, I think I was real unfortunate that, you know, the time he got to play, you know, I thought he was ready to take off a little bit after that, getting that experience. I thought it was going to be great for him to come back the next week, um, especially with Jimmy banged up a little bit and stuff. Um, but he had that unfortunate injury and it's lasting a little longer than expected. So I'm excited to get him out there today. Um, you know, but he hasn't done anything in a couple of weeks. So um, we'll see where his progress is now. That to me is Kyle Shanahan speak for hey, I wanted to start Trey after the Cardinal game, but he got hurt. Like when I read that, I was like, whoa, because Kyle has gone out of his way to say that it's Jimmy's team and that, well, if Trey plays really great, maybe he could start, but he has really leaned on Team Garoppolo thus far. And I feel like what he said Wednesday was the first sign that he is no longer on that squad. Yeah, I mean, but the problem with Shane, I think part of the reason also a lot of people are tired of him in the fan base is he's given us double speak so consistently, particularly on the issue of quarterback, right? He's the one who we can win as we made it the Super Bowl with Jimmy G and Garoppolo. We can win with Jimmy G. We believe in Jimmy G, but, but Shannon is the one who trades three first round picks to go to number three in the draft and end up drafting a quarterback. Like at all of these stops, there's been this point where you can read into what Shanahan says. And I think it's possible. Like, I, frankly, I hope that's the case because if Shanahan is in a place where he genuinely thinks Garoppolo is a far better quarterback than Lance right now and genuinely thinks it gives them a significantly better chance to win, that is a very doom and gloom scenario for the 49ers. Because we might write about it, and granted, they could lose the rest of their games and finish 2-15, and 15, but barring a truly historic collapse, I don't see a scenario where Jed York's going to let go of Kyle Shanahan. And if Shanahan really doesn't believe Trey Lance is the guy – then this organization is in a terrible spot over the next few years without a first round, without first round picks the next two, obviously. And then if, if he doesn't like Lance, if he, if, if this off season, he's going to be going to get Tua or he's going to be, you know, who knows trying to bring Nick Mullins back to compete oh, for the God. job. I don't know. Like, you know, I hope, I've liked to justify consistently this whole time that Shanahan is talking up Garoppolo because he's had sort of this false belief in redshirting. That like this is sort of you know Shanahan, while his offense integrates a lot of new school principles at his core, he's very much an old school football coach. We've seen it in his personnel decisions. We see it in his fourth down decisions for so long. We've seen it time and time again. And so I was like, okay, this is I disagree with it, but this thing you sit a player for a year and they get better magically somehow, even right. though they're not getting reps in practice in the game. But again, it's like every time I'm like, oh, okay, he finally gets it. Lance is going to be the guy. Lance is going to start. And then here we are at, you know, we, we got to Garoppolo had to get hurt 
and pretty much say he wasn't going to play for the next few weeks for Lance <laughs> to get one start. And, you know, and the thing too is even if Lance couldn't play, and, you know, you could say, well, what about having confidence in Garoppolo? If Shanahan does believe Lance will be the starter when healthy, then he should have said that after the Cardinals game. He should have said, look, Lance played well. Trey impressed me. He's our starter going forward, but he has an injury, and he's young, and we're not going to put him at risk. If Garoppolo is good to go, he might go coming out of the bye week, but that's not because he's still the starter. He's lost the job to Lance. Like, if he says that, all this conversation's out the window because he said Lance is the guy. He's just going to – they're going to be very cautious with this injury, right? And he could make up something about, you know, the, maybe this is a legitimate thing, but he could even make up and say, well, this injury, we're worried about being something more severe. He's young, whatever. Like, but that would have bought him time. The problem is he's done this thing where Trey had the best quarterback game, by the way, against Arizona, I think, of any of the games this season. And it's not because he played fantastic. It's because I think Jimmy's been played so poorly – but you watched how he moved the offense. Like there were issues with accuracy, but that's part of what comes with him. And again, I watched that game, and there was not one throw where I thought that was a terrible decision. Like there were a couple mental errors, but compared to what we've seen from Garoppolo, frankly, Lance looked like Lance looked more like the veteran. With you know, like he looks looked more like the veteran in his one start than Garoppolo has most of the year. But none, but you know, here we are. I don't know what to believe from what Shanahan says because he says everything on both sides of the equation he says before he takes trey lance that you know you 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 look for someone like drew Brees and his footwork and then he takes lance right like all of this stuff really dating back i mean through his entire tenure he's been pretty double speak with the press throughout but just the issue of the quarterbacking having the situation has been even more convoluted that is also one of the most frustrating things that is it seems like so many of the 49ers wounds, so to speak, this season are self-inflicted, right? You mentioned yeah. that comment. The The full quote on that comment is, I want someone with footwork like Drew Brees that runs like Lamar Jackson. That's and right. Like, yeah, yeah. Okay. So he's talking out of both sides of his mouth there. Yeah. You know, we really believe in Jimmy Garoppolo, but we've traded three first round picks to move up and we are definitely taking a quarterback, which they've made no secret of. Every mm-hmm. single time he has had an opportunity to make his life easier it seems like he has gone the opposite direction, right? If you get rid of Brandon Jimmy Garoppolo. Ayuk. Brandon Ayuk did not start because he was doing poorly or he's in the doghouse. No, he was just hurt and Trent had a great preseason. And then four weeks later, we got John Lynch going, yeah, he hasn't taken the steps he needs. Now we're talking about Brandon Ayuk being out of shape. It's it's throughout this roster. It's, it's again, this double talk. It's, it's It comes down to a certain level of like, we don't even trust you. Like, we can't even believe what you're saying because what you're doing on the field is running counters so much you're saying. That's it is that so much of what they're saying just flat out does not match up with reality. Like, do they know these games are on TV? Do they know we write down what they say in the press conference? Like we can check all this stuff, even with Trey Lance. And I I was, I jumped on it immediately. And I really wish that one of the writers in the room had noticed it too. He announces Lance's injury on a conference call on a Monday. And he says, it's a one to two week injury, but they're telling me he might be back in a week. Great. And then this week he talks about Trey Lance's injury on Monday and says, Hey, Lance is coming back from a pretty big injury. It's like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Which is it? Is it a one to two week injury or is it a pretty big injury? This is only the future of the franchise we're talking about here. And there is a huge gulf between those two things. There are no pretty big injuries that only take one to two weeks to heal. By definition, they wouldn't be big injuries if that was the case. So it, again, it's just another example of, reality and what they are saying not matching up and when you call them on it 
People say you're a whiner. People say you're making a mountain out of a molehill, that you're just, you're Grant Cohen, that you're just trying to stir up controversy. It's like, no, I just want to know what the truth is. That's all. People need to be responsible for the words that come out of their mouth. And the higher up the leadership ladder you go, the more responsible for those words you have to be. And there's nobody higher than Kyle Shanahan except Jed York. Jed ain't talking. And the thing about this conversation, the reason we keep having it in various we have the same conversation over and over based on the two different things or the various things Shanahan said is we don't know what he's going to do. We don't know what he really thinks. We don't know what this organization actually believes. And so all we get to go on is what they do, the transactions they make, how they perform on the field, and what they tell us. If we knew what Shanahan thought about Lance and Garoppolo, if we could get in his head and know it, we wouldn't need to have this conversation. We could debate whether he was right or wrong, right? He might, you know, he might believe this might be Trey Lance might be the guy. He goes, geez, I, I really should. I really messed up that pick. I should have taken Mac Jones. And if he thought that, I might disagree with that. I still, you know, we could sit here and say, no, this is why Lance could still be a guy. And Shanahan needs to realize that Lance could be a franchise quarterback. But we at least know that's what he thinks to work off of. And on the flip side, if he goes, look, I'm just trying to keep Trey safe here. I don't want to put him at risk. I don't trust our line. I don't trust our weapons. I'm just going to ride Jimmy G out for the rest of the year. Hope he has a strong stretch so maybe we can trade him for a, a, a okay draft pick next offseason. Again, we could sit here and debate whether that was good or not, but at least we know it to be the case. The problem is there, Shanahan doesn't give us anything. We don't know what he really thinks. And so we're just left here where we have to sort of go, well, if he thinks this, this is why that could be wrong. If he thinks this, this is why that's probably wrong. If he thinks this, maybe that's right. And that's why these conversations are happening. All the people who get upset about all these different conversations, it's because we're trying to figure out what the vision of this organization is because fans want to know what the vision of this organization is. And when they traded three first-round picks to move up in the draft, it seemed pretty clear. Their vision was replacing Jimmy Garoppolo. Yet we're sitting at this point in the season nearly halfway through a year where there are already multiple games out of the playoffs. They're only not in last place because Russell Wilson got hurt in Seattle. And Jimmy Garoppolo is still supposedly the starter. So, again, that's an incongruency. That's what we have to figure out because if they don't know their vision, and that's the scariest part, right, if they are truly sort of making this up as they go along, then that's really a dire place to be because that means all these moves are made individually without looking at a long-term plan. And that's how you end up in a situation where you have some talented players here, some talented players there, but none of it fits together because you haven't been thinking ahead. Imagine how different this show is, Mark. If Jimmy Garoppolo is traded at the beginning of the season for a draft pick, Trey Lance is the starter and everything else is exactly the same, right? Yeah. Let's say that Jason Verrett still gets hurt. Mostert still goes down. Everything still happens the same. There's no rage on the show. There's no, it's like, Hey, Trey's flashed. He's looked, he's been up and down, but you see potential there. Debo's balling out. Kittle's going to come back. The defense still looks pretty good. Like it's a totally different world, but the fact that they didn't do that, they, they are not good at managing expectations. If you promise a five and deliver a seven, you're a hero. But if you promise a five and deliver a three, you're a bum. No, absolutely. So, all right, let's take a break and we'll get off the quarterback conversation. There was plenty of other news that Kyle Shanahan talked about in the press conference today. Plenty of it distressing, to be quite honest with you. There's news about Javon Kinlaw. There's news about Brandon Ayuk that you mentioned that I forgot to mention at the top of the show. So we'll get into all that when we come back. 
This is the Gold Standard Podcast. All right, aside from the quarterbacks, the other big news that came out of Shanahan's press conference on Wednesday is the fact that Javon Kinlaw's season is probably over. Or if it's not over, Mark, it's going to be not continuing for a very, very long time. He's seeing a specialist in Los Angeles. And Kyle was specifically asked, is season-ending surgery for Javon Kinlaw on the table? And he essentially said, yes. This is year two of Javon Kinlaw now. He's going to miss a chunk of this year. Are you ready to make any definitive statements on him? Because I think I am. You know, I'm not in that place. And part of this is, I think, because, you know, I've obviously covered football, followed football for a while, but I come from baseball where, you know, you're, you're waiting years for draft picks to come to fruition. So I think I'm probably more patient, frankly, than maybe I should be on these things. And look, it's one of those things. Kinlaw has not lived up to his draft status. I don't think that's debatable. He hasn't taken the step that maybe that I think was reasonable to expect him to take in the second year, having the way, especially having a healthy Bosa, but living up to his expectations. Eric Armstead has been fantastic this year as well. So Kinlaw's had a lot of circumstances in his favor to succeed and thrive when he's on the field. And he just hasn't. DJ Jones has been better. And DJ Jones is a good player, but you expect Kinlaw to be pushing DJ Jones in his second year after being the 14th overall pick. And I, you know, I think there's the other part of this that, you know, you, you go back to the DeForest Buckner trade, and we think about all this, and this is sort of another, again, is it a catch-22, or is it, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty? But you go back and you say the 49ers' circumstances right now with Kinlaw, you see the 49ers' circumstances right now with Brandon Ayuk. If they make the trade they do, trade from 13 to 14, so the Bucks get Tristan Wirfs, and they take who most people expected them to take, CeeDee Lamb, do, are people still ripping the Buckner trade? And again, maybe Shanahan is maybe Lamb is in the same place with the 49ers as Ayuk is. Maybe this is a Shanahan problem, not an Ayuk problem. But they kind of went, they deviated a bit from the board, right? There is this, you know, they're going to take one of these top three receivers. Ruggs goes off. CeeDee Lamb and Jerry Judy are there at 14. They ultimately go, no, we're going to go interior defensive line. We really like Javon Kinlot, despite having some health red flags, particularly in that knee. And, you know, so far that hasn't paid off. And it's frustrating because, you know, when you have a season like this, when it looks like the playoffs are going to be out of the equation officially before week 13 or week 14, they'll be officially eliminated. Young players are what you're hoping for. Like young players are the reason to watch, you know, the growth. That's why we get so frustrated when Lance isn't on the field and Jimmy G is. But, you know, that's also true defensively. And so whether if Kinlaw is able to return next year and be a contributor, hopefully he is if this is going to take him out for the season. But it's still just disappointing because, you know, it's not just quarterback. Every player is gets better with more experience and more reps, and that's going to be reps he's not going to get this year. Part of what made the Buckner trade palatable or what was supposed to make it palatable was, hey, yes, we had to trade him, but with that asset, we acquired a replacement defensive tackle and what we think is a stud wide receiver in a loaded wide receiver class. Well, now Kinlaw's development is frozen in the words of Kyle Shanahan, and I, I just look at that as, he had knee issues in college. He's had knee issues in the pros. It's not magically going to get better from this point forward. So, like, how much more can you ask out of Javon Kinlaw? I don't know. Maybe he puts together one to two seasons. But, like, right now I'm not resigning Javon Kinlaw to a second contract. No freaking way. So, that's a disappointment when you take him 14th overall, like you said. And then when it comes to Brandon Ayuk, we finally got a little bit more information on Wednesday. Kyle Shanahan basically said that Ayuk came in out of shape. And... You know, I have to wonder what's going on with the 49ers wide receivers. Debo Samuel, year two, comes in out of shape. And Kyle crushed him last year and has said multiple times like he wasn't ready to play football. Now, Brandon Ayuk comes in year two 
out of shape. Like, what are they telling these guys in the offseason? And don't forget, IU comes from Arizona State. The 49ers are supposed to have like a, an in there, a really good relationship with Herm Edwards, the coach there. And they're supposed to get all the inside info on these guys. And they didn't hear that Brandon Ayuk maybe has a little trouble keeping the weight off when he's not, you know, in the structure of a football season. I just something about that stinks. That whole receiver Kyle Shanahan situation is very, very frustrating. But again, I just feel like the 49ers should have known better. Well, and again, this is the thing, too. If this was the case, why is it only coming out now? Like, that is another part of this where, it, it, again, it gets back to that doublespeak issue where they were saying, no, nothing's wrong with Ayuk. He's not in the doghouse, this and that. When, frankly, it would have been okay to say it. If in training camp they go, look, Brandon came in a little out of shape. We're taking it slow. Trent's been really impressive. We're going to give him some reps. You know, we still believe in Brandon, but, you know, he's just got to work on that. Like, that's not uncommon for training camp. It's not a big deal to say it. Instead, you go along and say, well, he was kind of hurt and Trent, you know, but he's still our guy. Brandon's still our guy. Now we're in week seven. It makes it seem like you didn't think this would be an issue, but he's not being productive in the way you expected. So now you need to change the narrative because you're getting blamed. And so now it's going to be, no, he hasn't taken the steps we need him to. He's out of shape. And again, if that is the case, then you should have been upfront about that because there was no reason to hide it. It's not like you were in a place coming into the season where you were considering trading Ayuko, and maybe we'll talk about that a bit. But, you know, you, you weren't in that place. This isn't about keeping value. You have him under contract on a very favorable team team contract. I just – and, you know, thinking about the whole thing about, you know, John Lynch's relationship with Herm Edwards and they had inside information. This has been another thing we've heard constantly about the 49ers draft picks, whether it was John Lynch went to class with Solomon Thomas at Stanford. Oh, God. You know, to all sorts of these things. And remember, one of the things they said about – Debo, part of the reason that they, that they liked Kinlaw was because they both went to South Carolina and they'd spoken with head coach Will Muschamp before the draft of Debo and Will was and they said Will was honest with them. He said, look, Debo's a great player, talented, all these things. He struggles to stay in shape sometimes. And then when Debo did come into rookie camp, a little out of shape, you know, and so they said, look, with Kinlaw, we trust that we got good intel from Will Muschamp on this. That's part of the reason we're more certain about him. And with Ayuk, it was a similar thing. They have this relationship with Herm Edwards. They're going to get all this information. They know what to expect. Well, you're busy getting all this intel, and yet you're sitting here in year two, and you're publicly saying this about the player. And again, if you want to say, well, you don't want to publicly embarrass the player, then why are you doing it in the middle of the season? Like, that's the frustrating part. If you want to say, you want to keep this all under wraps, you don't want to rip the players publicly, then fine, be consistent. But don't sit here in week seven when you're getting ripped because Brandon Ayuk's not getting screens or not really getting a chance to do much in the offense. All this loads on Debo Samuel. And now all of a sudden, Ayuk is out of shape. Now all of a sudden, he hasn't taken the developmental steps because that just seems like John Lynch is doing a little PR management for Kyle Shanahan. And that's what gets upsetting and frustrating because you guys ultimately decided to get these players. Kyle Shanahan has final say. If you don't like these players now, that's still on you. <laughs> yeah, it's not like Brandon Ayuk is a totally different person now. Right. And I'm sorry. Sending John Lynch out to do the Matt Mayoko interview with a bunch of softballs with, with things on a tee, I'm all set with that. All, And I know that's John Lynch's main job. He's a pincushion. He's a highly paid pincushion. He's supposed to do the interviews that Kyle Shanahan doesn't want to do because Kyle hates talking to the media. He doesn't like it. He even mentioned multiple times a Wednesday about how he's, you know, I know you have to ask the quarterback questions, but I don't know why you keep asking it. And I don't want to answer <laughs> questions about a book and all this crap. Like, sorry, Kyle, that's part of the job. Like he doesn't understand that being a head coach 
is not just coming up with the X's and O's game plan with a much higher salary. Like there's a management aspect to the job. It's in fact, the most important aspect to being a head coach. Well, and he's the one who had in his contract that he had final say on personnel. He's the one who decides to go get John Lance, John Lynch, someone who has no experience in a front office, no experience in scouting, no experience in player personnel. You know, again, like if he doesn't have player personnel, if he goes and, you know, if even heck, if Adam Peters is the GM, let's just, you know, retcon that to be simple. Then again, then maybe we're having the conversations we had with Harbaugh and Balky, where Harbaugh's pissed because Balky took this player and yada, yada, yada. Like then we're there. Maybe we're not in a better place. But the problem is, Kyle, you took all these responsibilities. So, you know, you want to complain about being asked about them. Well, that's what you're getting paid to do. And more importantly, those are the responsibilities you asked for. Yeah, it's really you can't you can't say I want to be the one that shops for the groceries and then get mad when people question what's on your shopping list. (laughs) Sorry, dude. And for the record, I feel better now about Kyle Shanahan. Like after Monday, when he said Jimmy was the starter, I was like, that's it. He's got to go fire him. After what he said today, I feel like he's at least starting to see the light a little bit. And I, contrary to what I thought right after the game, in terms of his game planning and his play calling, like, I don't think he forgot how to call a good game. I think he called a good game against the Colts. He actually did go back to that play action bootleg that worked really well on the first drive. He went back to it multiple times after that. It just didn't work, but it's not like he forgot about it and ignored it. He actually did call it. He actually called some shots for Ayuk. At one point, Ayuk destroys the safety of the Colts, just puts them in a complete blender. Kyle Posey had a great film breakdown of this, by the way, on NinersNation.com that you can check out now. Ayuk is so open in the middle of the field, Mark, like nobody's within 10 yards of him. And that was the play where Jimmy tried to sort of like half roll out on the bootleg and Dwelly had one guy to block and Jimmy saw it really late and then it was tipped and it was just a disaster. But like, so Kyle was dialing up a deep shot down the field. He was giving Ayuk a chance to make a play. It wasn't successful. So I actually feel sort of better about Kyle Shanahan, at least as a play caller now than I did earlier this week. I am very curious to see, because I, you know, whatever we think about Shanahan, whatever he's going to do the rest of this season, there's no legitimate scenario right now where Jimmy Garoppolo is on next season's 49ers. That's just pretty clearly out of the question, regardless of where Shanahan's at. Um, but if that's the case, like I am very curious to see when Garoppolo gets playing time, if he gets playing time down the road in his career um, without Shanahan or elsewhere. I think people are going to realize very quickly. And again, you can argue the injuries took their toll. You can argue that 2019, he actually was playing well. I think you're going to see very quickly. Look, this is an offense where Nick Mullins put up respectable numbers. And Nick Mullins is not close to a average starting quarterback. He's a trash bag. You could say it. He's a trash yeah. bag. He's not good. He's not good. <laughs> and that's fine. And like, I, I, I am just very curious to see. And again, like there's, I think there are some calls. I think when we look back to the Arizona game, there's some questionable fourth down calls, you know, Shanahan made when Lance was a quarterback. And yeah, there's, there's reason to be critical, but you know, I, I said this, I was on KNBR earlier this week and I made the point of like, at this point in year five, Shanahan should have good enough players where he can make the wrong call and it still lead to a positive result. Like it shouldn't have to, there's going to be play calls. He gets wrong. He makes the wrong one and there should be enough talent on this roster. And by the way, in a lot of places, I think there is talent on this roster to make up for that. That's, you know, you can't, this isn't chess. 
like each individual player has the opportunity to, you know, defy the odds on any play. And, I, you know, I just think we're never looking back at like, wow, look at this play. Jimmy G really bailed out this terrible play call. Like that's just not happening because he just doesn't add anything on the top end of the, uh, the offense, but he does add a lot of turnovers. Oh God, he had so, so many turnovers. Since Kyle Shanahan has been the head coach of the 49ers, they have the worst turnover differential in the league going into the season. I believe it was like minus 36 or minus 38, which is hideously, hideously bad. And that's with a Super Bowl year where that defense had a racking of turnovers left and right. Right. And that that's, that's the frustrating thing. It's like, how many times do we see them go right down the field from, from, you know, 30 to 30 and then turn the ball over? Like it, yep. it happens seemingly every game. I, I said on the, our instant reaction show, it's gotten to the point now where whenever he drops back to pass and even on defense, I just expect something bad to happen for the 49ers. Like the only time I didn't feel that was the game against Arizona with Trey Lance, because when he dropped back, I was like, I don't have any idea what's about that. <laughs> could, could be terrible, but it could be right. amazing. You there's know? that first play action throw. You're like, my God, this is going to be terrible. And then there's some runs and then there's, yeah, there's some lasers down the middle. Absolutely. Yeah. So I, I've gotten into the habit now of the first thing I watch on the snap is actually Mike McGlinchey because it's like, all right, it's, is he going to get totally blown away? And on the first play with Lance, he does. And Lance steps up and makes a 15 yard run out of it for a first down. I was like, is this how other teams feel all the time? Right. Like, holy crap, that was a disaster of a play. We got a first down. It wasn't just, right. we didn't turn it over. We made something positive out of it. And that's what's made it so difficult to evaluate other players in this offense and on this team, right? Because the problem is, you know, you can look at it and look, you know, Dan Brunskill's gotten blown up quite a few times this year. Same with McGlinchey. But, you know, I'm not an offensive line guy. I, I'm not, you know, necessarily able to, you know, watch tape in the same way a lot of other people's, you know, KP's one, obviously, at Nice Nation and elsewhere can do. But it's one of those things, it's hard for me to watch and be like, I can watch a play and go, yeah, Brunskill clearly got beat. McGlinchey clearly got beat. But offensive linemen get beat. And, you know, no one's saying Brunskill and McGlinchey are elite players. No one's making that argument. But it's hard for me even watching to say, are they good enough? Like, are they you know, is Brunskill someone who we could look into next year and say, yeah, he's an average, you know, he's a top 35 guard, which is good enough to start. Or McGlinchey, he's a top 20, top 35 tackle. Like, that should be good enough when you have Williams, when you have a veteran like Mack, and obviously Tomlinson, who's been one of the most probably underrated players in the league, honestly, um, on the interior line. So it's like, that should be good enough. And the problem is, when you talk about Garoppolo playing poorly, well, here's where this went wrong, this play. Here's Ayuk not getting separation. Here's this and that. Well, yes, every player is not going to excel on every play. The problem is point me to the plays where Garoppolo is excelling. And that's what it comes back to. And that's why, again, it all comes back to quarterback. Your quarterback is supposed to elevate everyone else. He's not supposed to be elevated by everyone else. And the bottom line is that Garoppolo has to be elevated by everyone else in the organization for them to have any chance to win. Speaking of Garoppolo, he was mentioned in the article you wrote, Mark, for Niners Nation. It's five trades the 49ers could make if they decide to sell at the deadline. Number two is the trade involving Jimmy Garoppolo, Kwan Williams, and a 2022 sixth to Washington for William Jackson III, a 2022 fourth, and a 2023 sixth. What made you go this way? Because I know Jimmy Garoppolo could be involved in a bunch of trades, you know, in this hypothetical situation. What made you go with this deal? Yeah, I mean, one is, you know, 
I know there was the Wickersham book talking about the Patriots called for a second round pick on draft day for Garoppolo. I don't know. You know, it's totally overblown. That's totally overblown. Can I just say, I'm sorry to cut you off. Here's what I think happened on that. Cause I think that it makes for a juicy headline, but I, I think if you think about this logically, it doesn't make sense. I think the Patriots called the 49ers and asked, Hey, would a second round pick get it done? Because I think new England's plan was this. We want one of these young quarterbacks. Let's see if one falls to us. If we have to give up this second round pick to trade up to get one of these young quarterbacks, we can do that too. But if that doesn't happen, then maybe we can have the 49ers in our back pocket as our backup plan. We'll give up the second round pick. We'll get Jimmy, even though he's older and he's way more expensive. We feel like we know what we have and we can win with him. So I'll, and we can cut I, him in a year. Yeah, exactly. right. All I think that was is the Patriots just checking in to see if they could have sort of a parachute. I don't think they called up and literally were like, we'll give you a second round pick for Jimmy Garoppolo right now. Yes or no. Like, I don't think that's what happened, but I feel like that's how people are taking it. Yeah, no, I I think that's fair. And, you know, looking around the league, though, it's where would Garoppolo genuinely improve the quarterback situation? Like, where would he actually have a chance to play? There just aren't a lot of spots. And, you know, you can make it. I've seen people make the argument that he's better than Daniel Jones in New York and all these other things. But I don't think the Giants necessarily like it's not clear cut that any of these organizations are necessarily going to think that. So Washington's one you can point to where, you know, Taylor Heineke, I know he's been playing, and all you can say about it is he's been playing. It, it hasn't been any <laughs> – there's no control of the job by any means there. They're a bit out of contention. They're, you know, I think two and five, but, you know, a pretty weak NFC East, and more importantly, for very little in terms of capital. Like, they're one of the few teams I think it would make sense to do kind of a Garoppolo slot, swap one because they have about $10 million in cap space, so they could take on a bit more of Garoppolo's base salary. Obviously, the Niners are going to have to hold on to most of this to make most deals work. And the other thing is, I think they would probably be fairly happy to dumping William Jackson um, the third, who is a cornerback in Cincinnati. They signed him to a three-year deal this offseason and kind of backloaded. He only has the minimum base salary this year, but obviously signing bonus money spread throughout. And they can't cut him next season even without losing cap space. He has more dead money than their cap number because he has a $5 million guaranteed roster bonus. Well, if you just traded Jimmy Garoppolo for... Jackson, you could pretty much offset the cap for both teams. The Washington could essentially get out um, from some of that money they owe to Jackson. They could turn it into a bet on Garoppolo to see how he closes the year. And obviously, they you know they'd have him on the same contract the Niners do, where they could cut him at the end of the year, you know, with little else going on. For the Niners, you could finally unload Garoppolo. You could bring in a corner who, yeah, he's been playing pretty poorly this year, and he's currently dealing with an injury. He should be back in the next few weeks. But unless you can give him a run to the, for the rest of the season at corner, if he plays well, if he rebounds, plays like he did in 2020 with Cincinnati, they can go into next year with him on the books at only $11 million, fairly reasonable for a good cornerback, and maybe give themselves a little more certainty there. And if not, they can cut him just like they would Garoppolo and pretty much end up in the same cap space, cap, you know, cap place. So um, that was sort of something that I think just made sense from who's a team that might need a quarterback or might see Garoppolo as legitimate improvement and has maybe a contract they'd like to get out of. And so um, that's where Washington came to fit um, because of Jackson. And let's be honest. There's no way Jackson can be worse than the cornerbacks. The 49ers are rolling out there. Kyle Shanahan said on Wednesday that they're scrapping their normal defensive back drills and they're literally just throwing the ball in the air and trying to work on the cornerbacks on tracking the ball in the air and not mugging the wide receiver before it comes down. Like, Mark, these are not 
This is not Ambry Thomas or Diamador Lenore that we're talking about doing this drill. We're talking about doing it with Josh Norman and Drake Kirkpatrick, who are veterans in the league. That's how bad the cornerback situation is. That they're like literally going back to basics. Like, here's how you play the sport, and it's week eight. Yeah, this the secondary is atrocious, and you know, again, that's where you run into questions of. You know, like, I think Kwan Williams is someone who could help a lot of contenders. I think there's a lot of defensive backfields around the league that would love to have him. And I think the Niners should be willing to listen. Like, again, I don't think they're in a place where they should be holding on to a veteran impending free agent, even if it means they can get just a fifth or fifth round pick in here. And so, you know, that's why I worked him into the Washington deal, just because I think, you know, they could sort of slot him in to the slot, help them replace Jackson. But nonetheless, yeah, I mean, this secondary is in shambles. Right now, there's rookies who are healthy scratches. There's veterans who are committing pass interference on every pass thrown more than 10 yards down the field. Like, that would be my plan if I were the Bears. I would be like, Justin Fields, here's what you do. Yep. If your first read's not open, run. And if you can't, we'll send a guy deep every play. Just throw it. If it's intercepted, we'll live with the punt. Like, that's fine. But we're going to get some flags, and we're going to – those are going to be huge chunk plays for us. And you're going to have, you know, opportunities to score. That's what I would tell them to do every single time. It's literally how bad it's gotten for the 49ers. You got Allen Ro- tell, tell Allen Robinson, Hey, look, we're not, we're targeting you today, Allen. You just go and we're right. checking it. Yeah. You don't even need to be in the huddle because you're doing the same thing. Every play that's not going to change. Um, speaking of receivers trade proposal, number five in your article, Brandon Ayuk to the Ravens for a two and a four. Now I could see the Ravens being like, hell yes. Like, please, we could, we would love to have another young wide receiver. Lamar Jackson is talk about somebody who's elevating the people around him. My God, Lamar Jackson's on another planet. Um, I could, here's what I said earlier this week. The 49ers have to decide one way or the other, how they feel about Brandon. Ayuk. I think it's crazy to just write this kid off. I really do. But if you're going to do it, okay, but just figure it out the rest of this season. And then if you want to move on from him, there will be people that want him from you. So you can have opportunities to get some value back there. As long as you just figure out and decide for better or worse, just make a decision and get out of this sort of target purgatory that he's in right now. Yeah. And and this is, I think, again, it's not just a quarterback. This is a source of so much frustration is that again, when we talk about long-term planning, like you have to, if you make a decision on Garoppolo, Early last offseason, you could assign Tyrod Taylor to be your backup, Jacoby Brissett, a whole host of proven options who you can make an argument maybe they're not as good as Garoppolo, and I argue a lot of them are better than Garoppolo. But either way, you could get a viable veteran to compete with Lance. You could even – well, actually, I don't think Hoyer was available if Shani loves his system. But anyway, um, you, know, you could have got a viable proven starter to come in and compete at $15 million minimum less in cap space. That you could have spent, you could have, instead of signing an older Alex Mack, you could have been more aggressive for someone like Corey Lindsley. You could have been more aggressive signing a veteran quarters. You could have even signed a William Jackson. You could have done a host of things. You could have kept Kendrick Bourne and kept a more kept a more trustworthy third option at receiver and still had more cap space. But again, the Niners seem to always wait to the last minute with moves, whether it's Garoppolo, and I'm worried they're heading that to that place with Ayuk. I'm with you. I think Ayuk. Still a really good player. I'm, I know there's stats where he's not getting as much separation, but they're also not putting him in positions to get there. They aren't putting him in the open field. Again, as you point out, there were multiple plays on Sunday where you saw him wide open, and Garoppolo 
either because Garoppolo just didn't execute throw or because Garoppolo was legitimately under pressure and just wasn't able to get the ball out. Either way, I thought Ayuk um, could have had a big game if just a couple plays break differently. But if Shanahan, if he, if Shanahan goes, geez, Ayuk's another Dante Pettis, then don't wait. Like, because if you go at the end of the season, Ayuk's still not playing well. If you go into next season and he has another bad preseason or there's, there's more bad press coming out, that trade value is only going to go down. And look, if they made this deal, I wouldn't be happy about it. Because I think, frankly, Ayuk in Baltimore, giving them another player who they could put the ball in their hands behind the last scrimmage, well, he would thrive with the Ravens. That'd be fantastic. And again, the Ravens have a bunch of extra mid-round picks, and so that's why I think they'd be really amenable to something like this. But I would understand, and then, okay, this is you admitting you made a mistake. You thought Ayuk was as good as CeeDee Lamb. You thought he was better than Jerry Judy. Like, that's what Shanahan said post-draft. And you're admitting, okay, I was wrong. Ayuk isn't that guy. I'm going to be preemptive now because I don't have draft capital. I can't afford to keep giving up on these things and playing them to the last minute because we need to start thinking about the future here. And if Ayuk isn't a part of the future, again, I think he should be. But if he isn't, then you make that move now because the longer you wait, it's only going to get harder to make that trade. Right. I mean, because the one thing you can't do is keep Ayuk on the roster, but then say, well, this guy's no good. We got to draft another receiver. Yes. Like, you have limited draft picks left as it is. So you if you're if you don't believe in him, that's fine. But you have to get something back for him. By the way, you mentioned Dante Pettis more catches this season than Brandon Ayuk. That is just twisting the knife just a little bit deeper in there. God. So, I, I mean, again, I know that some of you want good things to look at. You want hope. You want silver linings. Uh, I think that hopefully we're inching towards the Trey Lance era. That'll be the ultimate silver lining. And honestly, if you told me that the only thing the 49ers got out of this season is that Trey Lance is going to come into year two, ready to tear up the league, it would totally be worth it. It would 100% absolutely be worth it, but he has to get on the field in order to get into a place to do that. So we can't begin that process until Kyle Shanahan does. We will see if he does. So I have said, Mark, that I am not going to pick the 49ers to win again this season until they do, because I also root for your baseball guy. I root for the Seattle Mariners, and I have found that there is no bottom to losing. There is no limit to how much you can lose. I believe there is a cap to winning, but there is no you can lose forever because you just keep making bad decisions. And that's what bad teams do. The 49ers can lose to anybody. I don't care what the stats are. I don't care what the EPA. I don't care any of that stuff. The 49ers do exactly what you need to do to lose games. They don't create turnovers and they give the ball to the other team. So I think they're going to lose to the Bears because I think Justin Fields has enough talent and enough ability to flash a couple of times. And that's all it's going to take to beat this lethargic 49ers offense. The over-under, I think, for the game is like 40, something like that. I'll, I'll take the under and I'll take the Bears. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm kind of in a similar spot to you. I was – I've pretty much been saying I'm going to pick the Niners talent to figure it out throughout this year. And I'm getting burned in this losing streak. And I'm at a similar point with you where, all right, they've proven that this talent is not enough to overcome the other things that are going wrong on this roster. There's, there's too many other questions. I think the bears are going to be a tough one just because truly a lot that's going wrong with the Niners. You can look at Chicago is pretty much a story of kind of a similar place, but I think I think I will call the Niners if Lance is starting. I don't think Marks is. I think Garoppolo is going to be the starter, and so I'm, I'm probably going to end up picking the Bears as well, just because you know I think this could be a real low point 
for the Niner fan base. Now, granted, who knows if they go and lose to Houston and Jacksonville later in the year. That could be the real <laughs> low point. But I, I think it could be a low point because I think there's a chance that Fields has his best game mm-hmm. against the Niners. And Niners fans are going to see Fields, the player a lot of fans thought the Niners should have taken a quarterback. And the sad part for Trey is I don't think he's going to get the chance to answer. I think it's going to be Justin Fields versus Jimmy Garoppolo. Fields will probably play better than Garoppolo. The Bears will win, and the Niners will go, why aren't we playing our young quarterback? You know Justin Fields has a huge chip on his shoulder, massive chip on his shoulder, because I think he thought he was going to be a San Francisco 49er. And so I'm sure he wants to come in and stick it to them. And yeah, like Kyle even said on Wednesday, well, Justin Fields is getting better every week. And everybody in 49ers Twitter was like, yeah, imagine that drafting a quarterback and developing him every week. I'm shocked. So, yeah, you're right. It could be it could be an incredibly low point or it could be, you know, Trey Lance is healthy enough to at least play a couple times. So he comes in, they try to run some gadgets and it just looks goofy like the Jets when they had Tim Tebow, like it could, it could look really, really bad. I hope it doesn't. I miss the original Wildcat with Ronnie Brown. Wow. On that Dolphins team. The original Wildcat worked. Remember they destroyed the Patriots because New England had no idea what to do. It's just hard not to be frustrated, right? Because one, because there was so much trepidation from the Niners that they were going to take Mac Jones. They were going to pass on the talents that Fields and Lance were. And so there's like this relief. It's like, okay, Shanahan's not that dumb, right? Like, <laughs> like this franchise is not in the hands of a complete idiot. And again, anyone wants to point to what Jones is doing this rookie, his rookie year, that's fine. But the Patriots also took him at 15. If they had taken – the reason it would have been stupid to take Mac Jones at three is because they clearly could have sat at 12 and kept their first-round picks and still got him if that's who they wanted. The issue is a trade value thing. It's not even necessarily about the evaluation. So there's this relief. Okay, he is going to pick the upside. He does believe – you know, if he's so great at scheming people open, he doesn't need the most accurate quarterback in the league. He wants someone who can run, who can throw the ball downfield at, at, at an impressive rate. That's what Lance is. So then we come into this year with all this like, okay, we know Shanahan. We know what we're going to do. And now we're seeing Jimmy G. And now we're seeing, you know, just a lethargic team on both sides of the ball. We're seeing the same movie we've seen before. And I equated yeah. it to the 49ers are bashing their head against the wall. And around the corner from that wall, there might be a door. The yeah. frustrating thing is they're not even going to check to see if the door is there. And that's what drives me nuts. The one encouraging thing that I actually liked when Lance started was that Kyle seemed to flip flip the script a little bit. He was going for it on fourth down. Fourth he down, was yep. drawing up design runs for Lance. He realized, hey, I can do things here. I don't have the same player I have with Jimmy Garoppolo. And I remember watching the game at certain points, seeing what they were doing and being like, isn't this just more fun for Kyle to come up with a, with plays like this and this kind of game plan? So I think that once Trey does get in there, we'll see some of that stuff. Um, but we're just not seeing it now and the 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 gulf between what the 49ers offense is and what we think it could be is so big right now that that's the other part of why you're so mad watching these games. Do you know the 49ers have not beaten a team by more than one score in over a year? It makes sense. I you know, it's just it, it, it was the it, Patriot it, game last year you know? was the last time they won by more than one score. Yeah. And Again, you know, one of the other things with the Lance game that I know we're going long here, but just, you know, one more thing on this is, you know, they changed the offense for Lance. And then I saw in the coming weeks that was being used as a criticism against Lance that, oh, see, Shanahan doesn't trust Lance because he ran the offense most like his in North Dakota State. Why is that? First of all, (laughs) 
if Lance had gone out there and Shanahan's running the Jimmy G playbook, that right. should be the red flag. That's what Matt Nagy, by the way, did with Fields in his first start when he replaced Dalton and rightfully got destroyed for it because mm-hmm. it's stupid. It is stupid to treat each quarterback the same way, especially when their skill set is so different. Like, there's nothing wrong with using a playbook that Lance is familiar with early in his career, especially when, because you've made these decisions, he hasn't been starting with the nut ones. He hasn't been getting reps with the ones. He's been learning the other team's playbook so he could be the scout team quarterback. So let's make it simple for him. And he looked good. Again, you know, people are going to point to the stats, the low completion percentage. You watch that game. You watch every throw. What you see, what I saw, was someone who struggles with accuracy, is a bit inaccurate, but looked really comfortable in the pocket, held the ball maybe a bit longer than you'd like, but showed the ability to escape when the pressure did reach him, and ultimately seemed to make good decisions. Like, his, his pick was not a bad decision. It was poor execution. There was an open receiver 10 yards down the field. Maybe he should have set his feet when he was moving up in the pocket, but the throw sails and it's picked off. But it wasn't because he missed a linebacker who was right between him and the receiver. It wasn't because he didn't look off a safety. It was because he saw the open man, he made the right play, and he just failed to execute. And that is something that should be a positive for the 49ers. Because I trust it far easier for a guy like Trey Lance who throws the ball 175 miles per hour with every throw. I trust that you can develop him to be a bit more accurate than I do to trust the guy to make better decisions just because it's harder to teach that stuff. That's why they call it intangibles because it's hard to watch a game and tell, you know, how are you going to fix that stuff? That's split second decisions. Lance looked really good and he looked comfortable in that. That's why I'm so excited to see him. And if it's not this year, I'm going to be miserable the rest of the season. But whenever we do, I am really excited to get to see Lance work in this offense. I completely agree with you. And I thought Lance actually looked more comfortable as the game went along, which in my head is like, hey, maybe that means the more he gets to play, the better he'll get. Imagine that. But we will see. Hopefully that process will begin. I don't I agree with you, Kyle. You know, he always says that Wednesday is a really big day when it comes to install for the game plan. Lance was limited on Wednesday. I really doubt, as Kyle has said, he's going to start him when he hasn't practiced in a couple of weeks. Maybe it'll be against Arizona in week nine with George Kittle back, too. That'd be fun. Uh, But we will find out. Mark, I can't thank you enough for sitting in for 11 on tonight's show. I really appreciate it. This was fantastic. If people want to follow you on Twitter, where can they go? Yeah, you can follow me at Mad Deluki. That's M-A-D-D-E-L-U-C-C-H-I. It's normally I say it's my initials, not how I act, but if Jimmy G's playing on Sunday, I might be a little mad on Twitter as well. Follow him on Twitter. Check out all his work on NinersNation.com. If you haven't done so already, please rate, review, and follow the Niners Nation Podcast Network. If you already follow us, that is awesome. We appreciate you. But if you haven't left a rating and a review, it is a huge thing that you can do for us. It helps new people find us. And obviously, that's a big, big deal in our world. Enjoy the game, everybody. Enjoy your Thursday. We'll talk next week.